I've been thinking all week, you know, after you come off of Easter, what do you talk about after Easter? Easter is the highest day of the year. And, and it's the, the most important message of the year is the cross, right? And, and so I've been, I've been praying, and I've, I've known for a few weeks that I had to do this. I'm like, well, Lord, you've got to guide me. So this morning, I'm just going to share with you a few thoughts. I thought, boy, if we come off of Easter and we have the resurrection, and, uh, and boy, what an exciting thing that is for us to have a resurrected Lord. For our God is not dead. He is alive, and he can conquer anything in your life. And so, so today I want to uh, take us to the book of Acts chapter 1. Okay, Acts chapter 1, and we're just going to read a few verses there, verses 1 through 8. Just going to pick up on the next event that has happened there. And uh, we see this morning in Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus' ascension into heaven. So I want you to think with me how the disciples must have felt before we begin to read. Here, here are the disciples, and you know these were, they were good guys. They're following the Lord. They are a part of his ministry. Jesus had a public ministry that lasted uh, about three years, and they had spent all their time. I mean, they had given up everything. They, were, they weren't churchgoers. They were his disciples. You know, They were his right-hand men. They were with him every step of the way. They saw every miracle that was happening. They saw every, every high point, every low point. They were there. Jesus had told them that they were going to, that he would build the temple again, uh, that, he would, that the temple would be destroyed, but he would build it again in three days. And, uh, and he, you know, they didn't quite understand everything that was happening. So imagine being with the disciples as they were coming with him along, and we came through Palm Sunday, and it's this high point. Then the arrest, the trial, the betrayal, the crucifixion. And they go all the way to the lowest point within just a short matter of days. And as they're at that low point, you know, I, I've lost several people in my life. And you know what that's like when you, have a, when you have a loss. And this is what the disciples were actually experiencing. They were actually experiencing this loss. And then, a few days later, Sunday morning, Jesus rises from the dead. Like he said he would. But it, the disciples, you know, they, they were with him, but they didn't totally catch it. And then when Jesus rose from the, get, from the dead, it really validated who he was. And it, and it validated to them. They finally, their eyes were open. So now their best friend has now risen from the dead, and he's making appearances to them for the next 40 days. And so this is kind of the emotion. I, I just think, think what that would be like for you if you were in their shoes how that you would be riding this and saying, wow, what is going on? This is an incredible journey. Um, you know, it, it's, it's like around here sometimes. I feel like, what is God doing? This is amazing. We have high points together. We have low points together. But we know that we're together and we have God with us. And so as we, as we continue, this is where the disciples were. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 this morning. We'll begin in verse 2. Until, that, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So here we go. Here, see the, uh, the disciples, where they're thinking. They're, they, ha- they had this, we're, we're going to continue this. They didn't see that Jesus was going to be leaving here in just a few minutes. They saw that we're going to be able to continue this. And you can see by their question there. Lord, is, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Remember, they had understood the, the, the Old Testament writings uh, were about the restoration of Israel and the future, future promises that are to come. And look how Jesus responds to them in verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who is taking you, uh, who has taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I'm excited about that last part, aren't you? That we're going to see him come back. I, I was talking to, I think it was Ross Haney the other day. He says, I want to be alive for that rapture. He, Ross is waiting and ready to go. And I said, Ross, I'm right there with you. I want, I, I want it to be in my generation. Ross is begging for his generation. So we're slightly different generations there. But, you know, we'll, we'll split it, all right? But we're excited. You know, we're looking. We're expecting the Lord's return. And as they left, they, they left, and Jesus gave them this message. He said, basically, the kingdom's not being restored right now. And you're going to receive some power to do the job that I've called you to do. And the power came in the, in the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had talked about the Holy Spirit before his death, before the resurrection. He had talked and he said that he would send another helper. He would send a comforter. And, you know, as he left now, this is the beginning where he's telling us the promise of the hope and the power. Now, think with me of, the, uh, again, what the disciples had won through. These were real men that were hanging out with Jesus in their presence. I mean, he was right there. And so he was with them all the time. He goes through the, the death. He pays for the sin of mankind. He rises from the dead. They have 40 days with him. And then he tells them, look, the kingdom is up to God. That's in the Father's hands. And whatever time that happens, that will be in the Father's hands. But today, I'm going to tell you that there, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And it's very interesting to me that he, he, he tells them that you're going to get power from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you'll have power. But, you know, it wasn't just power to live the American dream, you know. I think sometimes we confuse Christianity with the American dream, you know. If I'm living for God, then my car won't break down, you know. And I just, I'm sorry, it's not in the scripture. And, uh, and my car breaks down all the time. So maybe, maybe there's something wrong. Oh, no, I'm just kidding, all right? There, but, you know, it's not in the scripture that you'll have this comfy life. As a matter of fact, the disciples, they were persecuted. Peter was crucified upside down. Uh, I mean, you, you, you know, we, we think this American dream that, you know, there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow. Well, that's when we get to heaven, that's when we rise. Remember Mike saying that on Easter? I will rise when he calls my name. No more sorrow, no more pain. That's not now. That's whenever we get to heaven that we'll have no more sorrow, no more pain. But what he did leave us with is power 
to trudge through these things. He left us power. He left us the Holy Spirit so that we can continue his ministry. And so living inside of us today, if you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, the Bible, the, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit indwells those that have accepted Jesus as their Savior. So I am never alone. I am never alone. The Holy Spirit is always there with me. Holy Spirit is there giving me power. How do I live the Christian life? Well, it's through the power of God. It doesn't mean that I don't have trials. Boy, have I had trials in my life. Have I had sorrow? Have I had pain? But I'll tell you what, God has been the one that has carried me through that. He's lifted the burdens, and he's allowed me to continue, even when the car breaks down, even when you've had a loss in your family, even when you've had financial despair, and all these different things that we have to face, God has given us these things. So this morning, I'm just going to give you a few thoughts today, and um, the first is this, uh, on number one on your paper there. Consider the mission of Jesus' life. I want you to consider the mission of his life. Um, as he came to the earth, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Everything about his, his ministry, it pointed right to that, that he was seeking and saving that which was lost. Every time he did a miracle, it brought us back to him bringing people unto God, to him drawing people to the redemptive sacrifice. So that was his mission in life. And the next line that I put on, the, on there under number one is this. He came to rescue people from their sin. He came to rescue people from their sin. Um, you know, quite often we don't think of, of our life in sin as needing rescued. We think of it as just we're living. But in reality, we need rescued because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death but God's gift is eternal life. And that gift was the rescue. Okay? When Jesus came to the cross, that was the rescue. He paid for your sin so that you don't have to go to hell, the Bible says. See, if we get what we deserve, the Bible says we're separated from him forever. And, and we would be separated from God in a real place called hell, the Bible talks about. But I'm thankful today that Jesus came and he rescued me. He rescued me from the punishment of my sin. But not only did he rescue me from a future event that would happen, he rescued me from having to live this life in defeat, from having to live this life in, in, under the power and the bondage of sin. Now, I'm just going to share with you a few thoughts this morning about, about rescue, okay? When you think of rescue, I always think of the, the uh, Finleyville Fire Department, you know? Jeff and Beth down there, they... Well, Beth doesn't run it. Jeff runs it down there, okay? And uh, Jeff runs the fire department, and there's probably a few other guys floating around here that are part of that fire department. And, you know, I would love to be able to be on the fire department. I've, I, I've, when I was a kid, I loved the trucks. I love all the gear they have. I mean, it's like when you get down there, every boy, man goes crazy. It's like, oh, you know? You, you just, there's something special about people who go out and rescue people. I was over at the Lawrence's house one day, me and my family, we were visiting over there, and uh, man, the, the alarm went off, you know, the, the scanner goes off, their pagers go off, and out the door goes, Jeff, I mean, it's like, there's no saying goodbye, there's nothing, boom, they go right to the, because they have, they have to rescue. Well, not only does Jeff go now, but Jacob goes, he's about 20 years old, is he 20 now? Okay, he's about 20 years old. And then Lance, who's like in 10th grade in high school, he runs out the door. And I'm standing there, I'm saying, I want to go too. 
You know, that young kid could go, I want to go. And they're like, sorry, you won't fit in the uniforms and this and that. You know. But, you know, you have to be trained. You have to know what you're doing. And those guys, they go out there and they train. Um, every Monday night, those guys get together and they're training because they want to go out and they want to rescue people. And it's fantastic. And, you know, I, I love hearing the stories. Man, Jeff will tell me all these stories all the time about, about you know, different car accidents and things that they have to deal with. And I'm like, every time that whistle goes off, I'm so close to Finleyville, I can hear it. And when it goes off, I've made it a habit to try and pray for those guys because I, I can't commit the time to be a part of the team out there, but I can back them and be part of the team by praying for them. And so I just ask God for their safety and their protection that he'll guide them throughout the night out there. And most of the time I hear the whistle, it's 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. And, and it's amazing that uh, those people love that. But when you're going out to make a rescue, it, there's something that's just exciting because you're helping somebody. Well, this is what Jesus did for us. Think of the rescue of the, uh, the, the miners that were trapped in Chile. Anybody follow that last year? I believe it was in August, right? Okay, I, I mean, I watched that thing as much as I could. As they were trying to bring the guys up, I was, I was glued to the TV. I remember when we, we had the little rescue here in, uh, in, in western Pennsylvania. But then when the, the Chilean min, the miners thing happened, it was like the whole globe was focused on us. Well, I did a little, little, little bit of reading and saw some things about one of the miners that was down there was a pastor. Now, that, that, that was exciting to me. And when, when we're watching that, the whole world's watching it, all I'm thinking is, there's no way those guys are going to come out alive. There were 33 men that were trapped down there for 69 days. I think after the first three days, I'll, I'll be honest, after the first three hours, I'd have been crazy. You know, I, you know I've been taking my hammer and trying to chip the wall out all the way up. You know, they're 2,000 feet below. I can't even imagine that. And so there they are, they're down there, and for the first 17 days, they had no contact with the outside world. And there was one of them was a pastor, was a bivocational pastor. He worked in the mines, and he spoke in his church on Sunday. And the guys down there knew him as the reverend, you know? They, they kind of do that to you when you get out there, you know? I, I, I did Saturday night service, and then I went to one of my kids' ball games, and, and the other parents go, hey, the reverend's back. I was like, don't do that. You know, just, just let me relax, okay? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to watch my kids. And so we're, we're having fun out there. And so they called him the reverend, and they were happy, happy to come and talk to him. And, they, and what was happening, in his words, he's, his name is um, her, uh, Jose Enriquez. And Jose says, he says that these guys were a captive audience. He was down there with 33 men. They couldn't go anywhere, 2,000 feet below. He had a captive audience. And after a few days, these guys began to come to the Rev and say, Hey, Rev, maybe you should teach us how to pray. And so some of these guys were starting to inquire about God. And this, I never knew this. I just found this out recently. 22 of the 33 guys came to faith in Jesus Christ, 2,000 feet below the surface. Isn't that exciting? That fires me up when I hear that. So I'm not thinking about God's work down there. I was thinking about our work to get them out. And so... One of the things that he did, that, you know, they drilled the hole and they got the air, they got the water and different supplies down there. And this pastor had sent up a request for Bibles. So you know those little New Testament Bibles we give the servicemen, they go in their pocket? They got 33 of those in Spanish and they sent them down. And the guy's down there and he's leading these guys to faith in Jesus Christ. God has a mission. 
And so, you know, when you, when you think about that, that's really exciting. I mean, that God would even be working there. But I want you to think with me this morning about your life. How that God came to rescue your life. He came to seek and save that which was lost. But he also said in John 10, 10, he said, I am come that they might have life and have it to the full. That it might be an abundant life, a complete life. Something that starts now. See, I'm looking forward to that day when I go to heaven and there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, and I will be walking on the street of gold. All right? However, in the next 40 years that I hope to still be hanging around here, 40 plus, I should say, all right? In the next 40 plus years that I want to be hanging around here raising my kids, looking to grandchildren one day, and all these different events that we do in life, God has given you and I rescue that begins now. See, I'm, my, my position in heaven is secured. I am already going to heaven. That's a done deal. But now I have to live this life out. And as I'm living this life out, God has given you and I the power to have victory over sin. To have victory over the things that so easily hold us back. Let me just give you a few thoughts here this morning. Psalm 69, 29. Um, you could say that this would be victory over stress. I am suffering and in pain. Rescue me, O God, by your saving power. The psalmist prayed it. I think you can too. Look unto the Lord. I am suffering in pain. Rescue me, O God. How many times do you come in your life and you have things that you have to deal with that are hard, that are heavy? Maybe it's a, anything from a health problem, a relationship problem. You name it, you fill it in. Finances. God says, call on him. He's, we, he doesn't say that he'll change the circumstances. He says that he'll carry us through the circumstances. We can call on him and he rescues me. Very interesting. Psalm 55, 18. How about from the attacks of others? He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me. You ever have somebody that you don't get along with? At work? At home? <laughs> Anywhere? Okay, you ever have that happen? Listen, God says by the power of his resurrection. When Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead, he conquered death. And he conquered the power of sin on your life. See, before sin entered the world, God had this perfect plan for us. And the perfect plan was to live in the Garden of Eden, to have this wonderful life, and we're walking and having fellowship with God, and none of these things would be grabbing at us. But with sin entered death. And part of that is our bodies die, relationships suffer, everything suffers when there's sin in our life, when we're dealing with sin. And so it's a natural consequence. The Bible says it's a point on a man wants to die, but then the judgment. So when I stand before the judgment seat of God, my, my, uh, I'm covered in the blood of Christ. Jesus took the payment for me. But today, while I'm living here in 2011, I can have defeat. For, I, I can live under defeat or I can live in victory. So God, I think a lot of times we don't realize it. I see a lot of times Christians going around, I don't know if I can make it. It's just so hard. And you know what? It is hard. But Jesus conquered so that you can overcome. You can have the victory. So as I'm going out there, yes, you know what? Raising kids in this world is hard. I will, I will give you that. I've got two teenagers it's not the easiest job I've ever encountered. It was much easier to raise your teenagers. <laughs> you know? 
I now have my teenagers. And so as I'm up there and I'm trying to raise them, it's hard work. Sometimes I don't get any sleep because I'm worried for them. I'm praying for them. I'm asking God to do work in their life. I'm like, Lord, this is harder. Nobody told me this. You know, nobody said before we had kids, hey, listen, when they get 12 and 15, you are going to really, it's going to be a different world. You know, they just let that sneak up on me, you know. <laughs> and so, so now I'm engaged in the battle. And you're engaged in the battle that God has you at. And I don't know what things are, are, are heavy for you, but I know whatever the battle is, you come before the Lord and you ask him for his strength, for his help, and there's the rescue. Because he has the power. He has the power to overcome these things. All right? That was Psalm 55, 18. All right? Uh, let's see. A guilty conscience. Psalm 51, 14. All right? Psalm 51, 14. Forgive me for, for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. All right? God clears us of, of guilt. Um, overwhelming problems. Psalm 18, 16. Okay, Psalm 18:16. He reached down from heaven and rescued me, drew me out of deep waters. He reached down from heaven. Uh, the, the, I guess the miners that, that came up, they, they had sent them T-shirts down. The, the pastor had requested T-shirts for them. And they put a scripture similar to this in Spanish, that God reached down and, and, and saved me, you know. And so, so as you're going through your life, as the overwhelming problems. Again, I have faced many trials, many tribulations. And Jesus said that we would join him in the fellowship of suffering. See, if our master went and suffered, what makes you think that we won't be suffering? Okay, he suffered on the cross. So as we're going through this, though, he says that I am with you. See, when we go back to Acts 1.8, here's the power. He's given us a mission to take his word, take this message that he died on the cross, that he came back to life, that people can be freed from sin. And as, as we're to take that out, he gives us the power to do that. Well, it's through the Holy Spirit. It's not something that I learned by going to school or by studying the Bible and this and that. It's the power of God. That's the difference. You see, I can study all I want, but unless I'm connected with God, there's the power. And so as I'm living my life, as I deal with my problems, I have to come and get the power of God. The fear of death, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. I think a lot of people fear death. I was uh, telling somebody the other day, I don't fear death. I just don't want to plan it. You know, I am not looking forward to that whole process, but I know that when I cross over, I'm going to be instantly with God. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So if it's a car accident, or if it's 99 years old, and I just tuck her out, I am going to be instantly with God. And so look here at the fear of death this morning, Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 2. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as human beings could die, uh, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. In the next verse, verse 15, says, only in, the, only in this way could he set free all those who lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. So we don't have to, listen, the, the punishment of our sin is death. But Jesus conquered death. I don't have to be afraid of this. Because he went through the valley of the shadow of death. And he is on the other side. And he came out and he validated who he was. And therefore, I can have victory in my life. Um, judgment of hell. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 talks about the, the judgment of hell. I don't have to fear hell because of who Jesus is. Psalm 35.10 
Um, looking at distress, different distresses in your life. So, uh, Romans 7, 24 and 25, the power of addictions. Um, you know, people are gripped by addictions. And as we deal with addictions, look at this. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. The next verse, 26. Here it comes. Oh, go back. Did I mess that up? Could you go back one, Cindy? One more? There you go. 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. And then the next verse. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ the Lord. See, uh, so you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And so the Apostle Paul was even talking about the struggle of sin. And you know, how many times could I say that was my life? Man, I just set out, I want to do the right thing, and what do I do? The opposite. You know, and you look in your life and say, I just, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and it's a struggle and go back and forth. But through the power of the resurrection, I can have freedom. I can overcome these things in my life. You can do the same. You know, you don't have to be a slave to addictions. There are all kinds of addictions that people have out there. You name it. You fill in the blank. People are addicted. We, we live in an addictive world. And so God says, listen, he died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life. And you don't have to live under that power anymore. And how do we do this? We hang out with God. The more I hang out with God, the more his power is flowing. The Bible says that he's, he's indwelling in me. I just yield a little bit more. I give him more and more control. I let him have more and more control. We like to be in control, don't we? We want to we call the shots. God says, hey, I'm in charge. Uh, that is, if you'll just step over, step to the side. Let me run your life. I think I know how to run your life. And so we, we, we need to go that route there, okay? Uh, a life without purpose. God's given us, he's rescued us from a life without purpose. Because of who he is, we have purpose. Uh, uh, people who cause trouble in your life, uh, worry, depressions. Look at uh, Job 33.28. I think it'll come up there. Job 33.28. God rescued me from the grave, and now my life is filled with light. That Job's statement from the scriptures here, all right? And if he could say, wow, from all the troubles and the trials and the down times that he had, that God would give him light. You can too, because this is the power of the resurrection, all right? And so as we continue this morning, I just want you to thank God that you have been freed. And if there's an area of your life that you say, wow, you know, I feel like I'm living under. You know, somebody asked me one time, how are you doing? And I told them, under the circumstances, okay. And the person replied back, so what are you doing under the circumstances? You know, I'm not, it's not the circumstances. You know, yeah, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things we have to deal with. But you know what? We get up and we say, okay, by the power of God, I can do this today. With God's strength in my life, I can continue. And, and there's many things. Let's take forgiveness for one. Forgiveness is huge. Those are couple words that most of us don't enjoy saying is, I'm sorry, or you can really draw out and say, I am sorry, you know. That's not something that we enjoy doing. We enjoy just kind of moving on. And, but you know what? The power to forgive. God gives us the power to forgive. And so as we come, the power that he gave us here in Acts 1-8 was the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit that was going to come and was going to take his message to Jerusalem, 
Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. It was a geographical location. You could just look. That's right where they were. They were right there at Jerusalem. And then out. They go to the next layer out, and the next layer out, and then finally to the rest of the world. It'd be like you and I saying that we're going to have power to go out into Finleyville, and then to Pittsburgh, and then to Pennsylvania. Then we'll go to the East Coast. You know, I'll take the Florida assignment. You know? And, uh, and, and, and then, then, to, then to the rest of the world. And, uh, and so that's what God has done. And you and I are a result of that ministry that's lasted 2,000 years later. Here were a group of guys that carried on what God gave. And they're, they're still going, we're still going today in the power of his name. So secondly today, I'd like to say this, that God has given you a mission and a purpose. God's mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. And he, Jesus, has given you and I a mission. Over in Colossians chapter 1 this morning. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to begin to read here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And he goes on, he takes the next few verses here, verses 5 through 11. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, uh, idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. But you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But you must also rid yourself of, of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is in all. All right, so today he says, look, he's telling them what to put off. And you notice he, he, he ranks some things that are pretty common with some things that are pretty bad. He says, look, this is the desires of our flesh. He says, put those things off. We have to put them off because you have now been, your sinful nature was nailed to the cross. When Jesus paid for that, he paid for that at the cross. And that was it. He, he paid. So we're not to go back and live in there. We are to stand up and we're to say, okay, our life today has got to be different. So as I look at my life and there are sin that gets in the way, you know what, I've got to come and I've got to say, God, I need you to help me conquer this. Because you have a purpose for my life. And then if you read the next verse there, verse 12, Therefore is God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with, and this is, boy, if we could all clothe ourselves with this, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. And if any of you have a grievance against someone, uh, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. All of, these things, uh, all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members as one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, 
hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, now this is the, this is the kicker here. This is the purpose for our life. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, whatever in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Your job is not your purpose. Aren't you glad? You know? Uh, think of these guys. That, you know, I see some of these guys as they get near retirement age. They are happy that their job was not their purpose. You know? they, I, I see some of them. They come up here. Jim's got a crew that comes up on Wednesdays, and they help out around the church. And uh, they are thrilled that they don't have to be uh, on the clock somewhere. You know? But their, their job was not their purpose in life. Um, you know, I, I, one of our vendors called the other day. He sells us the, some of the things that we have around here. And uh, he, he, he called, and we were looking at some video equipment. He said, I just want you to know, uh, our company closed three weeks ago. Just like that. He walked in, and the company was gone. And if his job was his purpose, he has no purpose, right? So we can't make our job our purpose. We can't make our, our house, fixing up our house, our purpose. You know, I have a fixer-upper and I'm fixing her up till the day I die, I'm sure. And, I mean, that's just what happens. You know, if, I wish somebody would have told me when I bought a fixer-upper that this is the way it would be. I wish somebody would have said, look, you know, live in a really small house that's finished, you know. <laughs> but I live in a really small house that's not finished. <laughs> and so, you know, I, if I make my life about that house, I make my life about my cars. If I make my life about my lawn, you know, you look at my lawn, I'm a dandelion farmer. You know, it's, it, I, can't, I can't be, uh, you know, that is not my purpose in life. I, my wife thinks I'm crazy. I've been buying this fertilizer, you know. And so the first time I put it on, like a year ago or something, I burned up. I, like, poured the whole bag in one spot, you know. I burned up this hole. And now I'm trying to repair that. You know, it just keeps going on. But, you know, um, you know so now I'm out there I'm waiting for the rain to stop so I can fertilize this and kill my dandelions, you know. And so... But, you know, these things are all temporal. They're all temporal, and that's not my mission in life. Your mission in life is to honor and glorify God with who you are. Everything about you. So when you go to work tomorrow, if you go to work, when you go to work, glorify God at your work. So whenever I cut my lawn, i got to try and cut my lawn and glorify God when I'm cutting my lawn. Um, I, my, my neighbor's 90 years old now, and I went over to him uh, the other day, and I said, listen, you're 90 your days of cutting the grass are finished. My wife and children will make sure it's done. You know? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I told him, I said, I want you to know that, uh, that your days of cutting the grass are done. And, uh, and he looked at me, and he goes, well, I'm actually 91. I said, no, Joe, you're 90. He goes, no, 91. So I, I wasn't going to fight with him. But uh, I, I told him that we would take care of his lawn. Now I'm going to try and honor and glorify God by that. I'm not bragging about that. I'm just merely showing you, look, this is what God does. We're supposed to go out there and live for God, right? I've told my neighbor about the Lord. He's, he's opened his heart. But as I stand there, I've got to continue to serve, continue to, to be used, used by God. Uh, uh, point number A under there is you have been set free from sin and its power. By your purpose in life, God has given you the power to accomplish what he wants you to do. In order for me to have the power to cut the neighbor's grass... I have the power of the Holy Spirit within me. Because by doing that, I'm helping him find God. Hopefully, a few other neighbors will see God in that.
One of my other neighbors said, hey, I saw you talking to him about the grass. Is everything okay? I said, yeah, I'm just offering to do what we can. I probably won't be able to keep up with it as good as he did, but I'm offering. And this is the power that, that comes from the Lord, all right? Uh, B, we are, set, we are to set our sights uh, on the realities of heaven. Okay? According to this passage, Colossians chapter 3, we are to set our sights on the realities of heaven. I love that. The New Living Translation translates those early verses and says that we need to set, I believe it's verse 2, set your sights on the realities of heaven. That's where I have to live. When I go through my everyday walk with, uh, uh, in this world, I have to think of heaven. I have to think of God's eternal purposes. So when I'm out and I'm doing what God has called me to do, I've got to remember, God's called me to this. My kids go, uh, go, go play ball. We're out there playing ball. It's not about winning. It's about me glorifying God. And sometimes I don't like losing. Sometimes I get a little crazy out there. Sometimes my mouth goes on, and I have to go back and I have to apologize to people. You know, I don't enjoy that. I remember one time I had to grab a coach a couple days later and say, you know, I'm really sorry. I acted like the parent I said I would never be. You know? Because I've coached, and I know what that's like when somebody's going crazy on you. And, and, you know, and the guy looked at me and goes, what are you talking about? I don't think you ever heard anybody come up and say I'm sorry after they screamed, you know? And it's like, you know, we're, going, we're human. We're going, to ha- we're going to jump up and down. We're going to scream. But we go back and we say I'm sorry. And God uses even my weakness for his glory, all right? Um, number three, I want you to remember this, that we are the followers and he is the master. We are the followers and he is the master. So many times we get this Christian life again to be the American dream. And we want it to be the way we want it to be. And God sometimes allows us to go through dark times. But God said, I, I, I want you to remember this, though. Somebody once told me this, that the darkest part of night is just before dawn. And that has really helped me because that's how God works. Sometimes the days are dark. It's heavy out there. But I've got to remember, I'm the follower. He's the master. So as I'm going through these things, I've got to be working with him. I put down there the passage, John 11. We're out of time, but just real briefly, I want to share with you. John 11 is the story where Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And every time I read that, I say, now, why didn't Jesus just go over there and, ra- and, and heal Lazarus before he got sick enough to die? He was sick, and he was dying. And, and Mary and Martha, they called for Jesus to come. And when Jesus comes over, Lazarus is already dead, and they question him. And Jesus says, well, had I been here, God would not have gotten the glory. And he says basically that that he will rise. And they reply and say, yes, we know that he will rise in the resurrection, like you and I long for. Okay, one day we will rise in the resurrection. And Jesus says, no, let me show you, Lazarus will rise. And he goes over to the tomb and he calls Lazarus out of the tomb and Lazarus comes back to life and Jesus performs what I believe the greatest miracle that he ever performed uh, next to the cross, okay, next to the cross. And, and here and these people were seeing him and what G- Jesus said, had he not done that, you would not have been able to see the glory of the Lord. And here's what I want you to think in your life this morning. Sometimes you're going through dark days, heavy times and we don't know why and I really believe it's so that we can see the glory of the Lord my mother took care of a handicapped child
for 29 years. He never walked, never talked, never said a word. Never even said the word mom. After 29 years, he took his first step into heaven. Our family has seen the glory of the Lord. People who knew him saw the glory of the Lord. I can't explain that, can I? But I can tell you, yes, this is how God works. And sometimes the easiest route doesn't always bring the greatest glory to God. Sometimes God has called us to a, a place. And you know, sometimes I, I, I want to start looking and saying, well, you know what, I wish I could be, be like that person over there. You know, God's really blessed them. And boy, if only I could live where they live and, and, and do what they do. And, or this person over there. And I look at that. And God says, don't look at them. You're not following them, you know. I'm not following. We're not follow, you're not following me. You don't follow pastor. You follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, he gives you the strength to do. So the last, uh, I'm just going to jump to number five. We're out of time. The last thought here is, am I living in the resurrection power? Today, as you leave here, have, is there areas of your life that you need to deal with? Maybe, maybe some of the things that we've talked about here, you say, well, I need freedom from it. You've got to come to God and you've got to admit to the Lord, yes, I need, to, I need your help in my life. God, I'm willing to hang out with you. The scriptures tell us that the more we hang out with him, the more we spend time with him, the more that he grows in our life. And it's so exciting. So I want to encourage you today, as you leave this place, maybe you need to make a commitment to spend more time in his presence. We know that you have his power in you because you've accepted him as your savior, but maybe you just kind of put him off to the side. Maybe you're living in defeat. Maybe you've gone back into the cage of needing rescued. That's bound prayer. With your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd just like to ask you to take a moment with the Lord as we close our service today. Would you consider who He is? He is God. He has conquered death. He has conquered so that you can have victory in your life and you... Yes, there are many trials, many pains, and, and I know that many in this room are carrying burdens that are much heavier than I even. But I know that God says He gives you the grace to go forward. He gives you the strength. He wants to give you the power so that you don't have to be in bondage to sin. So today, let's, let's just respond to Him. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your word that you have freed us from the grave, Lord. Freed us from death, from sin and the power thereof. So God, I just now ask that you will do your work in a mighty way. That you'll use your word and that you'll challenge people uh, to be deeper followers of you. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.